are worlds between our own, and from these worlds there are written histories, both ancient and modern. To read of these testaments scrawled in hidden places and on other things, you must fix your eyes uncomfortably within you, and if successful, your gaze will unlock the door behind raw imagination and meet the manuscript of innumerable folios known as the Dark Darkness. Hello, I'm Shark Child, and this is the Dark Verse. Testament scrawled in hidden places and on nether things with the sole purpose of sharing with you a unique world of horror and fantasy that will follow you to the visions of your sleep. I don't know if you're on Facebook or not, but if you are, you will have noticed that in these last few days that my Shark Child fan page has vanished. This is because my personal account has been disabled and along with it that fan page. And I must say it's partially, well, it's not partially, it is my own fault because I was adding friends a little bit too quickly and sending out too many of the same messages. And so as a result, people were uh, reporting me. And so I guess I was reported enough times. And so my account was disabled. And I got an email today from someone at Facebook that said that they were not going to reactivate it and that this final and that this decision was final. So I'm having to start over from scratch, although I am trying to get my fan page back because that technically didn't violate any of the terms or policies that Facebook has. And uh, if you want to help me, there's a page where you can um, contest the disabling of a fan page. And I'd love it if anyone who is willing would help me and fill out this, this little form requesting that that page be reinstated. So if you're interested in helping me out, please email me at m at sharkchild.com. And then I will, will, will reply to your email with a link to that little page it's just you know three sections it's just the fan title the fan page title the url and then you know your relationship to that page so it's pretty simple and i could use that help that extra little push to try and get it back because i spent a long time a lot of time building it up and it kind of sucked to start all over again so please help me if you have the time okay now I have a story for you, kind of pitted in a world of blood, to say the least. Not in the gory way, it's in the way that blood, there's power in the blood, so there's authority in blood. So I'm just taking a strange look in a strange world of blood and the testing of blood, because the qualities of this blood somewhat determine your status in this world, so... It's, it's not that long, but should be interesting, and I hope you enjoy it. This is episode 63 of The Dark Verse, and it is entitled Blood Host Authentication.
The blood determines the majesty of the host. For most, the constituents of blood are, in order of greatest volume, plasma, red blood cells, and then white blood cells. But for those I served, these typical figures were not so. The Templars Ariaglin had a notably higher amount of red blood cells and less plasma, and thus had a significantly higher density and thickness of blood. However, this extraordinary blood, Templar blood, had more unique attributes than just its thickness. Those who contained this blood healed faster, lived longer, and rarely, if ever, got sick. This blood was rich and said to have been passed down from a lineage of beings that dwelled inside stone, prisoners of a world lost in darkness. In a distant time, several of these lava-skinned beings escaped and began a new life upon the surface of what is known, forging bonds with different races, blending and diminishing the occurrence of their special blood over the centuries. When I served the Templars Ariaglin, I was known as a validator. I was the authenticator and certifier of Templar blood, for not always did the offspring of a Templar bear the blood of a Templar. Its occasion was rare, and as such, it was in my right to prove or disprove this exalted blood's existence. And even when the Templar blood did flow in the veins of its host, its thickness differentiated. It was also my responsibility to accredit this thickness. The thicker the blood, the higher in the ranking of authority a Templar could reside. And so in my duty, I, a simple servant, was able to bestow the hierarchy of power amongst the greatest leaders of the harrowing world. For many years, the burden of my position was light, for few required my tests. However, there came a time when alchemists, began concocting ways of creating Templar blood within non-elected carriers. The price was steep for such a service, but many bought in. Since my process of validating blood occurred in infancy, and no one could ever have the test performed a second time during adulthood, parents were exposing their children to this new, synthetic blood system, forcing a portion of power upon their houses. I could not discern the difference between the natural Templar blood and the blood of fiends, as the imposter blood was called, so I could do nothing but sanction authority over to these masked thieves. Eventually, the amount of Templars-to-be had grown so fiercely in numbers that battles between houses over power began to erupt, resulting in brutal murders and gruesome encounters. A state of emergency swept over the harrowing lands. My own credibility was questioned, and I was threatened with death. A death I would have certainly faced unless the numbers of those holding Templar blood decreased. Everyone knew that the charlatans were slipping through the folds, but everyone knew, also, that I was the only one who could put an end to the treachery. In this desperate time, I was forced to implement a method of discerning those of true blood from those whose blood was manipulated. It was easy enough to speculate on who the impostors were, by family history, caste, and other such determinants. But I had to create a method of undeniable proof, black and white accusation, because the blood did not always follow suit as expected. 
so I went to work, calling the Empire into a state of seclusion until my test was sound, at which time I would declare a retest of all the Templars to be under the age of thirteen years old, a coverage of all who arose within the span of the quandary. This was my test. There was a family with me in my lab chambers, two parents and two young sons. Each of these boys had been previously confirmed to be a carrier of Templar blood. They sat, fidgeting in their seats as I spoke to the parents. The parents gave me their utmost attention, although they exuded the right of power that their sons bore, and looked down upon me in my lowly status. But I did notice the anxiety seeping from their pores like food-lusting animals. I had begun with the consultation. I logged detailed information regarding every aspect of their lineage, including disease, defects, and lifespan. Even trivial things such as hair colors, skin tones, and metabolism. While I recorded this information, I assured them that they had nothing to worry about and conceded to them in an act that I, in ignorance, was going to fail to know the truth about the blood within their sons, whether or not the blood was truly Templar blood. They knew me from when I had previously tested their sons, although I did not specifically remember them, so I capitalized on this past association. I made them feel comfortable. I lured them into a facade of temporary trust. Once this placebo had been received, I moved on to more serious matters. I led each family member to one of several chairs formed in a circle in the center of my chamber's floor. I even had a crib for infant candidates. The chairs were tall, and built of the sturdiest metals. A single armrest extended out to the left from each chair, at around armpit height, and could support a fully extended arm and hand. The legs of the chairs were bolted into the floor. When everyone was settled in their chairs, I had them buckle belts across their waists and then around their necks. I informed them that I had to perform a brief exercise. With the cordiality of the situation, hesitation was lost in the crevices of false smiles. Without knowing, they had strapped across themselves locks of which could only be opened with a key in my pocket but it was not until I began strapping in their left arms to the armrests that they realized they were trapped, after discomfort overcame them and they decided to undo what had already been done, but they could not undo the buckles, and they could not knock over the chairs. The parents screamed at their children, assuring them that everything was all right, while revealing a terror that could not be hidden. I, too, played into the situation, speaking softly to them of only a minor analysis. One by one, I went around to the family and inserted cannulae affixed with trocars into their suspended left arms. I did this out of reach of their right hands. No matter how much they struggled, they could not hinder me. Each of them winced with pain. The two boys started to wail uncontrollably, and the parents attempted, with no avail, at the apex of their wills and strength, to escape. I then began the transfusion of blood. Children's blood to parent, parent's blood to child. I did not care about blood types, and I did not care about the infliction of cruel torture. 
I cared about results. My whole life revolved around cold and concrete results. In my deliberations, I realized that a true Templar Aryaglin would produce more Templar blood when drained of it, while an imposter containing the blood of fiends would never be able to reproduce the authentic blood again. It was a simple resolution to my problem, a resilient test. The Templar blood was not a product of itself, but of its suitor. It was several hours before the transfusion was complete. Throughout the process, my participants had clawed at themselves in madness and dislocated shoulders, stretching their free arms beyond capability. But now, the howls of the torment and test had subsided into moans. The family was completely exhausted. I kept them imprisoned for a time longer and fed them food. Then I performed my initial, original validation test on the two boys' blood. There was no trace of Templar blood. They were treasonous. And so they were all put to death, although they might have died regardless, by complications of the blood transfer. Complications which would have been avoided had they truly been the heirs of the Templars Ariaglin. I was congratulated. I had found a way to purge the lands of falseness and reclaim rightful nobility. After a short-lived celebration, I continued with the many tests remaining to be performed. That concludes episode 63 of The Dark Verse. You can download all of the past episodes from iTunes or at thedarkverse.com. Make sure you stop by that website too. It's pretty cool. It's brand new. You can also go there and join the site and get a little username so you can participate by commenting and such also uh i have a cool book you can find it at sharkchildsremains.com it's hardcover with imitation leather and foil stamping artwork done by john f stifter and it contains the first 26 stories of the dark verse and how they have been edited and somewhat revised so you should definitely check that out it's a one of a kind book can't really find it anywhere else I've kind of done something on my own with that regard so please check it out that's sharkchildsremains.com you can also get there from just going to thedarkverse.com or my official site sharkchild.com but they're all connected so you can't miss it alrighty have a great rest of the week and then an even better weekend Catch you later. All stories on the Dark Verse are the sole property of Sharkchild and cannot be used for distribution, publication, or monetary gain without my written consent. Sleep deeply and remember to love.